Got to clear it off. <laughs> now I can't help it, but for me, these these services are too short. But for some of you, it may not feel the same way. So we'll make it we'll make it what it is. But if you're you're wanting more, just let me know. <laughs> Um, ready or not, title of the message. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. So I need to know where my amen section is. I'm not sure if it's in the back. There it is. Okay, it's over here on Mike's side. That's the first one. We, I know where I hear it from somewhere else too. Amen. Amen. <laughs> So I also want to say that if there's anybody taking notes, because I've heard there's a few of you that do that, and that's awesome. If you're taking some notes, and there's something I said that you want me to repeat, just raise your hand, okay? So I'll, I'll repeat it for you, because I know how that is. As a matter of fact, I struggled with that from Sunday to, to Wednesday, because there were some very good things that were being shared. The, message, the ministers were sharing some things, and I just couldn't write it down fast enough. So I realized I'm going to go back and re-listen to the whole thing. And if I've done my job good, then you can go back and listen to these sermons too. So if there's something about this really ministered to you, but I know how that is. You're like, I, I love the whole thing, but there's certain pieces of it that really ministered to me, and I, and I don't want to have to go listen to the whole thing all over again just to get that piece. So we want you to have that opportunity to, to get that piece. So again, just raise your hand. Um, I won't call on you. I'll just expect that that means that you wanted me to repeat that. Okay, and then if I've repeated it, and you need me to repeat it again, raise your hand again. <laughs> what we don't want here is we don't want something that the Lord is saying to your heart to be missed. Amen. And sometimes we say a whole lot, and what we need to do is step back and say a little bit less, and we need to emphasize it. And so I want to be able to do that. I want to get better at what I'm doing. I don't want to get stuck at this is as good as it gets for this preacher. I want to get better at what I'm doing. Amen? Amen. So let's, uh, let's look at Matthew 25. This was in request of somebody who threw this out there and said, I'd like to hear about the, ten, the parable of the ten virgins. And I told you I want you to you know share something with me, and I'm not going to make it every week that necessarily something the Lord puts something on my heart. But as soon as I saw that, I, I thought, I want to go visit that. I want to spend some time in it. So I spent... A couple of weeks looking into this, and I really love this this parable of the the parable of the ten virgins. So let's read it here, and starting in verse one. Maybe I'll pray for a minute. Let me do that. Amen. How oh, awesome, Father! I am so encouraged this morning. Lord, I feel the life of God working inside of me. I feel like, Lord, you want to breathe inspiration into my heart, so that Lord, you can breathe inspiration into others. And Father, what a joy it is, God, to just be in that atmosphere. It doesn't matter, Lord, if I'm listening or if I'm the one that's speaking. God, what really matters is, is that we're getting it and that you're feeding us in this moment. And so, Jesus, I just pray that whatever it is that you wanted us to hear today, Lord, whether it's right here on my notes or if it's just something, God, yet unsaid, but, Lord, breathed by the Holy Spirit, that it will be said. And that, Lord, that you will ignite our spirit You'll fill us, Lord, with the sense and the victory and the call of God. Lord, I see in this the necessity to be ready. The necessity. 
that Lord, at any hour, and Lord, it may be on a delay, but still being ready at every moment. And Jesus, we want that blessed hope of the church to come to pass. We want that to come to pass. And Lord, it feels like it's getting closer. We want to thank you, Jesus, for touching every heart and ministering to them. Lord, thank you that you would use the weak things of the world to show yourself mighty. God, I give you so much praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, oh, this is awesome. Let's look in verse 1. And then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. Uh, in other versions, it will say wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the prudent took oil in flasks along with their lamps. Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout. Amen for that shout. Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Say, trim their lamps. I didn't hear enough of you out there. Trim their lamps. Okay, just want to make sure my audience is alive. The foolish said to the prudent, give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, no, there will not be enough for us and you to go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast. Amen. And the door was shut. The other virgins also came saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. You do not know the day or the hour. How many of you have been to a wedding? Sometimes I think I should ask the reverse. How many of you have not been to a wedding? I think we've all been to it. Imagine a wedding in the dead of night. And imagine the situation where there's no electricity, no power in the building where the wedding is taking place. Imagine it being completely dark. I think the first and most important thing that you'll begin to realize at that moment is we need it to be light. We need the light in that room. And so this is the story of, and realize it's a parable, it's not, the action, it's not an event that actually took place, but it's a story highlighting a truth to our hearts. But trying to imagine this story really helps us get a grasp of what the Lord is trying to say to our hearts. And so it would be really bizarre to think of having a wedding at night, you know, or a wedding procession of any kind at night, especially at midnight. But the idea behind it is, is the bridegroom can come at any moment and we want to be prepared. And so in this story is we see ten virgins. And these are 
basically those who are coming into the wedding, and they're supposed to be carrying lamps. So it makes sense to why the wise said to the unwise, they said, uh, we can't give you our oil because we're not going to put a jeopardy what's happening here in the ceremony. Because if all of our lamps go out too early, then it's black in, in night for every single one of us. Now imagine that. Like We don't want it to be night in this time. So what they're saying is better less light than no light. So go take the time and go do what you should have done to begin with. Now imagine this. Now think about it. I think it's, it's perfectly said that they were foolish because how many of you really, you know you're going out, you're not even going to take a flashlight with you. You're not going to go out there with even a sense of light for yourself, much less for the wedding party. I mean, not a one of us would be so dull to think, even so dumb as to think, that I'm going to go anywhere at night, and especially not for the possibility of a ceremony that could take place at any moment and not be prepared to have light for that ceremony. But Jesus is saying this story because there's an awareness of something in the spiritual life that we need to come to this reconciling in our own life with this. And so I was thinking about this torch. Because you can, if you look at lamps, it can also mean, if you look in the original language, it can also mean torch. And I thought, I like that, I like that expression. Now, I couldn't tell you whether it was oil lamps or torches, but probably for the time of that time in, in the world, it was probably torches. That's, that's what most surmise, I guess. So I'll just say, I think it's torches. For the sake of the illustration, I think it works really good. Because a torch is just a, a pole, and then with a wick of some sort on it, and with, or cloth with oil on it to keep it burning. The idea is, is that we need to keep it burning. You know, if you just ignited the cloth, it wouldn't last for very long. And we need it for a time. And so, a torch in the dictionary says, a portable means of illumination such as a piece of wood or cloth soaked in tallow or an oil lamp on a pole. And it's interesting that they, both, they all, every single one of them, took their lamps. So it means that it wasn't like they were expecting that it was just going to be a daytime affair. And I, and I don't know the time. The story doesn't tell us that. But it was they needed to be prepared just in case this happened at night. And so every one of them went with their lamps. And so it wasn't absolute negligence on their part. But it was a negligence of something. Why take a lamp if you don't have the oil? If you don't have the provision to keep it burning, why even take the lamp to begin with? Why even take the torch with you? And so I was thinking, I don't know for sure what the oil and the lamp represent. I have a thought behind it. I'm going to share with you my thought, but I'm not going to say this is gospel. I'm not going to say this is um, perfectly fitted to the story, but I think it fits the truth of what Jesus was saying. I think of the torch itself as the gospel. It's a gospel that lights the way for when Christ comes. But I, I also think that the gospel is not just by itself, but it has the oil that goes along with it. And to me, that's the grace of the gospel. Because every time you read something about the gospel in somebody's life, it takes the grace of God to get it in their heart. 
Let me say that one more time. I didn't see any hands. I didn't see any hands. It takes the grace of God to get the gospel of God in your heart. Because a lot of people have it locked up in their heads. And there's a lot of people who don't even have that much. Like We don't know what it says. We don't know what the gospel is. When I use the word gospel, this is a great, you know, I want to know how, and how you guys feel about it. Would you say you could confidently answer for me what the gospel is? Because I see a show of hands of people who would say, I know what you're talking about when you say the gospel. Okay, good. I'm, I'm grateful for that. Because I don't, I don't want to miss the opportunity if I need to to give more. But it's basically what Jesus Christ did. The gospel is, is that we are sinners. And we have no hope of, of being accepted with God and forgiven of that sin. Except that Jesus died a perfect sacrifice so that we could lean on that sacrifice and receive for what He did. We basically put complete faith in it. Because you and I don't believe. We don't believe that anything else will get us there. I'm not my good works, not my good deeds, not how good, my, hopefully my good deeds outweigh by my bad deeds. I just know that there's something bigger than anything that I've ever done. Because no matter how good I've been, I'll never have been good enough. So all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So that's the nutshell of the gospel. But what's going to make that real in somebody's life so that we get the product that we call regeneration out of it? There's new life that comes in me. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm no longer lost in sin. I'm no longer living a life and the purpose and the design of my life is to live for self, but to live for God. What's going to get me to the place where the whole of my life is on a whole different premise? It's going to be that the Gospel gets inside of me. But it's grace that puts it there. It's the grace that introduces it. I love that song. What a beautiful, wonderful, awesome song. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Can we all raise our hands to that? Saved a wretch like me. Took me. And how great, how wonderful it, it first appeared the moment I believed. And the grace that translated me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son who bore new life inside of me. This is, and we're not talking about life as, as if I had more joy and happiness, that it took away sin and made me righteous. I'm living a new pattern, a, a new way of living. And so we need the gospel to regenerate us. We need God to make us new. The Bible calls us dead. It said when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. I know what that was like. So regeneration. The grace of the Gospel is the central to Christianity. As a matter of fact, it was General Booth that said, one day they will preach salvation without regeneration. In other words, all you have to do is just say, Jesus, come into my life without Him actually getting there. Just say the words. Make sure you mimic everything just right. And without the life, you've had salvation. As long as you say a sinner's prayer, you're saved. Now I'd say some say the sinner's prayer and get saved and some don't. Some relied on the idea that if I just did the external thing and I just put in the format and I did what people said, the form of it, that I got the life of it. But God's the one who gives the life. God's the one who puts it in our life. And so you may be saying, I prayed at the altar and I didn't get the life. Well, pray at the altar one more time. Pray again until you get the life. Stay there until God meets you in that moment. Because there's one thing you don't want to do. You don't want to die in your sins. 
You don't want to die lost and going into eternity without Christ in your life. You don't want to go there. And there's only one way to receive forgiveness, and it's through that precious blood. And somebody said, I had a mental ascent. I had a mental ascent and I believed. But I didn't have a heart revelation and I didn't have the impact of that in my life. And the Holy Spirit of God didn't make that real to me. I remember one man in, in that transformation in his life. Oh man, you watched him change. You watched him change. Everything about him changed. His pursuit, his interest in the world, his care for the love of the world, it all changed. His, the way he operated with his wife, what he did with his children, it all changed. He was made new. Isn't it true that the Bible says old things have passed away and all things become new? Some people have been converted simply because they've made changes in their life. Others have been converted because Jesus has gotten in there and because of the reality of God, because of the reality of His presence, you've been changed and molded by that. So I was thinking about regeneration and how important it is because when you think of that torch and you think of that cloth on there without oil, this is, uh, this is what I said, oil provides... Oh, you can't ignite a dry wick. How many of you tried to light a <laughs> tried to light a lamp and it's dry? There's no oil in it. How difficult that really is, and to try and keep it burning. And so, we want Christians that continue to burn, that stay excited and valiant for God. And so, this is the thing: is that you you can't light a dry wick. And sometimes, when we take the gospel to a heart that's not prepared to receive it, it's just a dry wick. You're not going to get that change. But when you see, and this is the importance and the necessity of the revelation that I'm a sinner. It's because that wets the wick. That prepares you for the Gospel to come in. Jesus is saving somebody who's lost and in need. My sins have separated between me and my God. So this oil, this grace of God in our life, provides a lasting flame. It's a lasting flame. Something that doesn't go out. Something that doesn't burn out now. It's not a revival for the moment and dies off later on in life. And is, There's times when people get something and get really excited about it, but it doesn't last. What we're looking for is something lasting. How many of us, when we got married, man, it seemed like this was, it was, on, it was a bonfire. It was a bonfire of love. It was a bonfire of the most... Uh, Memorable times of your life, but you realize that bonfire wasn't going to keep the, the, the closeness of that relationship for a lifetime. There's something else that happened, and it wasn't the bonfire, it was the exact opposite that strengthened that relationship and gave it something lasting. And what, what I want to say is I emphasize grace when things are hard. Yes, we emphasize grace at all times and all points in our life, but the grace... When, when the heart really responds to God in a lasting way, that something that's not going to die off. You're not going to go running off because we didn't sing the right song. We didn't play it the right way. We're not going to run off because the temperature isn't quite right. Because there's something lasting, enduring in our life that God has put as a product of that life within us. And because of that, it's been through the trial. It's been through the flame. It's been through the difficulties. And after that, all the dross, all that selfishness, all of that ambition, all of that pride, God is beginning to take it to the heat and bring it to the surface. And something about, listen to me, God can bring the impurities to the surface. I'm getting some amens out there. 
God can bring the impurities to the surface. But don't be content when they got to the surface. Pray that they get wiped off. The Gospel in His power and His grace wipes away the impurity. We resubmit to what Jesus Christ has done. Lord, thank You for the fire. Because I wouldn't have seen what was there if it wasn't for the fire. But thank You for the Gospel that heals and purifies. Also, the, the oil gives, gives us light that disperses darkness. And Jesus says there's darkness in the world, but He was the light of life. And so being able to see Him, clearly understand Him in the world we're living in. Man, there's anything that seems to be so central right now. It is that we know Jesus in this hour. Man, I'm thinking about this, the bridegroom's coming. I'm thinking about the hope of the church that one day, one day we're going to meet Him in the clouds. One day we're going to see this finality to the things as they are here. And you want, to t- you want me to tell you something? I want to say this. The more I see this world get worse, the more I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day. There isn't anything in this corruptible frame that I've got right now that I want so badly that I want so badly that I'm just ready to exchange it. I'm hearing the amen out there. You know what I'm talking about. Paul says it this way. He says that this earthly frame can be clothed upon with immortality. Immortality. Every one of us has suffered pains and sicknesses and things that we've gone through in our life. And we'd like to shed this frame, this body that keeps on getting sick, that keeps on bringing us down. And we, we realize that our hope, listen to me, our hope, God does a lot of good things for us right now. That's awesome. The Lord heals. The Lord delivers. But I'll tell you what our hope is. Our hope is the resurrection. The resurrection of the saints. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about when Jesus gives you the eternal, everlasting body that can never grow sick, never die. How wonderful. The hope isn't what we get now. The hope is what's coming. Oil prevents the light from being quenched. I I don't know about you guys, but have you ever thrown water on a fire that's ignited from oil? When when I you know I've told you I used to work out in a salvage yard, and so we'd have oil all over the place. We had these machines that they just dumped the oil all over the place, and we had this area we deserved. We deserved for OSHA to come say hi to us. <laughs> So when there was a leak, it just got left on the ground. I mean, if you could clean it up, you would. But, you know, the oil was soaked in. And I remember there was an area underneath our press that was just full of oil. Somehow, one day, that got ignited by fire. You know, you got torches out there and crazy men that just like to light fires. And so here we are. We have a fire, and that oil lights up. And the first thing we do without thinking about it was throw some water on it. You tell me what happens It gets a lot hotter. You just ignited the fire. You made it even worse. So I think that what we're praying for is, Lord, give us the grace in our life that You can ignite a fire that no one can douse it out. Nothing can keep us from burning for God. It's said of John the Baptist that he was a burning and a shining light. We are a burning and shining light. Everywhere you go, people are going to watch you and they're especially going to watch you. You know what I'm talking about. 
They're going to watch you because they see how you behave. And they know you say you believe in Jesus. And that just makes you a bigger target. So they're like, there's the light. There's the torch. I said I love Jesus. They all know now. So now you're walking around with that. They need to see the grace of God in your life. There's nothing worse than Christians. Can I say that one more time? There's nothing worse than Christians who don't live out the light. Come on. You know that the reason why people don't go to church isn't because of the wicked out there. They're not, they're not doing it because of the ungodly. They don't come to church because somebody said they believe in Jesus, but they don't have the Gospel. They don't have the light of life. They're not living it out. There's some impurities there that are so vast and so real, they say, I don't believe it. I believe there's something pure about this thing if it's Christianity for real. So we store up when others use up. We store up when others use up. You're taking time right now to be with God. And oh, brothers and sisters, I could only, I, I relish the opportunity to know the time that you spend alone with the Lord. You spend with others in His presence the time that you make available to God. I just, that's to me, whether I get to know of it or not, that's, that's, my, that's the prize in, in my mind is that there are saints. As, as mixed up as the world is and as, as many people out there that are being named hypocrites, I am so grateful for the saints that can say, that's not my testimony. That's not my life. That's not where I am. And I'm a grateful to be so a part of your life. I am so grateful to be a part of your life. Because if you remember, there were five wise and there were five foolish. And I love the fact that it wasn't one wise. You know why I say that? Because it shows that there were a group of people that got it. There was a group of people that got it. And there's also another group of people that didn't. And even though there's a time in life where we walk together, there will be a time of separation. There will be a day of separation between those that let the grace of God really in their life and those who just settled for the form of knowledge with no power. There will be a separation point. But for the time being, we're called to love you. We're called to walk with you. We're called to go wherever. But there will be a separation point. So I want to bring up, there's a danger of thinking you have more time. In this story, we have a bridegroom that was coming, and it was delayed, and they knew it was delayed. And I want to say one of the dangers that I think we face is that there may be a time in our life where we can say, I was hot for Jesus. I mean, I was running for the Lord. I was living my best for Jesus at that time. But beware of the time when lukewarmness can set in. And when does it set in? When there's so much time that's lapsed that we feel like it's not going to happen. When we feel like it's now the atmosphere is changing. And we stayed for a while, but then we got disheartened. Something happens, and along the road, when I first got saved, there was nothing going to dishearten me. But after time, when you've been in church settings long enough, you've seen things fall apart and struggles happen. You've seen Christians act like the worst of heathen at times. 
And you can say, I don't know what to do with this. And with that disheartening and with those trials and those difficulties that we face, have you stayed strong? Have you remained faithful unto the Lord all the way through it? And so the temptation and the danger is, well, it's delayed. Or, uh, well, you know, I used to carry strong convictions in this area of my life to preserve my purity, but I don't care as much about it. You know, I can tinker a little bit more with compromise because it's a longer time passing. And so the problem is, when we get of that mindset, we slowly but surely compromise to the point that we may not have the oil when the Lord comes. And that's all I'm going to say on that one. Stay faithful during the delay. I'm going to say that one. And that's where I'm going to focus my time on. Stay faithful. You know, I'm not seeing any hands. If you, got it, if you want me to repeat it, I'll repeat it. I promise. Stay faithful during the delay. You know, this is an awesome time for us. Because it's not just the delay. It's the struggle that happens in the delay. You know, it was just a year ago or a little bit more than a year ago that this whole COVID thing hit the United States and the world around us. But before that, we never had that problem. We never experienced what it was like to go into a a public location where you're not sure if you need to wear your mask or not wear your mask. We weren't sure about what to do with mandates governed by the world around us. We, We had never faced those kinds of trials as we do now. We don't even know what to do in a public atmosphere when somebody's said, I was around somebody, but I don't feel anything going on in my body. But there's something we are facing now. And you know what? The moment Jesus called His disciples, I love it. He said, come follow me. You know what He didn't do? This is so awesome. What Jesus didn't do was He told them what they were going to go through. He didn't tell you what it was going to be like to walk with Him. You're going to get to see the miracles? Yeah, I'm running. But you're going to also get to see the persecution. Oh, I'm drawing back. Which one do you want? You want it all? You want the whole picture? And Jesus didn't share that. Because there's an element in the commitment of the heart that says, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. When there's a full and whole commitment to the person of Jesus Christ... You don't need to know the conditions. You're committed. Amen, brother. That's right. I am so grateful for that. And so here we are. We're like, the delay happens. It's glorious. It's wonderful. We're experiencing freedom. And we're like, well, now we're not experiencing the same freedoms. But, oh, I want to stay faithful. Let's just say something about this. If you're in an airplane and you're in a flight... And they say, just get prepared, and at any moment, you could this airplane could go down. You really don't give a care about that parachute on your putting a parachute on your back until you know that it's going down for real. And it's the tribulation, it's the hard times that put you in a place to say, I don't give a care how comfortable it is. I'm throwing this thing on because it's my lifeline. And so for some of us, Jesus hasn't been a lifeline. He hasn't been the heart breath is like, well, he saved me from, but that's been so long past, but he's not my lifeline in the moment. But as things get more increasingly difficult in our nation and in our world, he's going to become the lifeline. You know, I was saying that I'll still say it. You know, a lot of people are saying that this situation, what's happened to our world now is 
is, is ruining the church. And I'm going to say, I think it's exposing the church. Jesus said it to His disciples. He said to them, Well, ye eat of My flesh and drink of My blood. And He said, Many departed for them from Him. There is an attractive moment to follow Jesus. There's times when it's, man, it's attractive. Man, it is wonderful. And there are other moments when it's not so at all. And Jesus said, They weren't with Me from the beginning. And I'm not going to tell you because people aren't coming to church because of these things that they are not true Christians. But what I am going to say is this. You're beginning to see where it really is dwelling in the hearts. When the summertime fades and the, the fall comes along, you get to see all the greenery fall off. And the only thing that's left is what's going to last. Only what's left is going to last. God's interested in what's going to last. He doesn't give a care how much. Honestly, folks, I don't give a care how quiet you are. I don't care how loud you are. doesn't matter. Man, you can be loud. And you still miss the whole boat when it comes around. I was reading the story of, of I just thought, you know, what, what great. I wasn't planning on it. It just happened throughout my week. But I was reading in Noah. And I was reading of the ark. And it's like, wow, this fits perfectly with Noah and the ark. And it said, the door was shut. There was a time, but then the door was shut. So Noah stayed faithful. I imagine the mockery over time, because the longer the time between, the time where he starts, I don't know if they had nails back then, right? But he said to put it together with pitch, something that's going to hold it together, and also seal it up, right? So he puts and he seals up the ark, and he gets it ready. And, and all that time building this thing. Did it take a day to build the ark? It took a long time to build that thing. And along the road, I'm sure that they're all, he's receiving the mockery. And it only gets more intense as time goes further and further along. And Noah has to stay faithful to the end. Say that with me. Faithful to the end. Faithful to the end. So oil and lamp represent the regenerative power of the Gospel. They were prepared by. So the reason I say this is because those who had the oil and those who had their lamps, these are the things you see significantly within the life of those within this parable. They were prepared by it. In other words, whatever was to come, they were ready for it. They were preserved by the oil. Understand, they didn't have to go back and find something. They were preserved. Meaning this, that they didn't have anything in the world that was going to stop them or prevent them from this day. But the bridegroom is coming, they were ready for it. They entered in by. Notice only those who entered in, when they entered in with the oil and the lamp. There were only the ones that carried the oil with them. And the only difference was that there was the oil. It was those who continued or had oil with them. They were unified by, we had the five wise together. And they were unified to the bridegroom by, they overcame by. Every one of those who had the oil had this uniquely, same, the unique same similarities in, in their situation. They were the only ones that came to meet the bridegroom. See, it's not gospel in head, it's gospel in heart that makes us ready. 
There is a time and opportunity to prepare. And I want to say that's this time right now. Don't waste time that God has given. I think that's pretty simple. Don't waste the time God has given you. God has given us time right now. Oh, man. I think some of us could say, hey, if I could do it differently, I would. But you know what? You don't have time to go back and do it differently. But what you do have time now is make every day count. Make every day count. I know you've heard it said, and I think this is, in a sense, there's a side to this that's important to live by. But somebody would say, live every day as if it were your last. And I would say this, think of every day and what you would do differently if you knew this was your last day. If this is the last day that I had to live, what would I do differently? Because some people have something that they say, man, I feel like I need to get this right with God. Do it now. Can I say that one more time? Do it now. Regret is the pain of... That's funny. It didn't type out right now. I'm trying to remember what it said. Regret is the pain of knowing what I should have done when I had the chance. Regret is the pain of knowing what I should have done when I had the chance. No, I should have done that. And I didn't do it. And see, this is the thing. When you read this story... What Jesus is trying to say, there's no makeup time. This isn't a dress rehearsal. You don't get to try this one out. You're either ready for it or you're not. You know, when we played hide-and-go-seek as kids, you know what I'm talking about? We played hide-and-go-seek as kids. And we'd go hide, and they would count. But when they got done counting, when they got done counting, you'd better have found your place to hide. This is the time. I'm all afraid that we're waiting for another time. We're waiting when we feel more like it. When, when the situation is more right. We're like, I, I'll do it later. I'm not, when I'm not so busy. How many of us right now in the winter, we're like looking forward to the winter time. We're like, busyness goes out the door. I can catch up on things. Well, you're not, you, there is no such thing with this, this, this truth here. Jesus is like, you don't have a winter moment with me. You better be ready in the summer as well as in the winter. And delay, this is another way of thinking of it, but I think it's important. Delay is the grace God gives to those who need to get ready. It's the grace God's given us right now. If we made our primary focus the kingdom of God, would that change the way we live right now? Because see, this is the thing. Grace sets us up. And I want to make sure that I make that so plain. It seems like that to me. The grace of God sets us up. So you're, you're dressed, you're ready, you're prepared. You're exactly what God wanted you to be when He shows up. Grace isn't the permis- permission and the time to remain indifferent. Never will be. But if we take the grace of God in vain, we will think that the delay is so that I can continue in my attitude of indifference and miss the boat. And God is saying the delay was to give you an opportunity for your, for what has been your lingering, but let it not be any longer. And so when we hear of the hope of the church and the coming of Christ one day, He left it open-ended in the time frame. 
Because basically what he was saying, at any moment, you need to be ready. And so when we read in the story where it says he came at midnight, I got to thinking, I got kind of confused a little bit. And I was like, well, our calendar says midnight is when we go from night to morning. It's that, that moment of transition. from my, But actually, from biblical perspective, midnight was the middle of the night. Just that simple. And it makes sense, Jesus was saying, the middle of the night, when nobody expects. And it says they're all asleep, because that's naturally what people are going to be doing. You're going to be doing what everybody else is doing. Marrying and getting married and talking and having getting-togethers and stuff like that. And it can happen in the middle of that time. As a matter of fact, it could happen right now in this moment. We say, well, how do we know for sure? We don't know for sure. That's why it says get ready. Be ready right now. And if you say, my life is not ready. I'm not what God wanted me to be. I'm not living the example of grace in my life right this moment. Then don't wait another moment. Don't wait another moment. And so then when you wake up in the morning, you're like, Jesus, obviously I have this day in front of me. Please prepare me for this day. And the bridegroom comes and it says, there was a cry that was made. There was a cry that was made. The bridegroom comes. Go out to meet Him. Go out to meet Him. You know, I'm looking forward to that thought of what it's going to mean to meet the Lord. It says, that the, it says it in the Bible. I'm not making it up. You figure out what you want to do with it, right? But it says that the, the dead will rise first and those who are alive and remain shall meet Him, be caught up to meet Him in the air. We're going to go get to meet him. And I was thinking, you know, I told the kids yesterday when we were standing at the, we were standing in, I think you're going to go want to go, this is going to sound weird, but I'm going to say it, I think you're going to want to go visit the, the um, graveyard a few more, a few more often. The reason I say that is this, because if the dead get to go first, right? Don't what you want to be where it's going to be the most amazing, most spectacular thing you ever saw in your life? So I like, Lord, I don't know how much time I've got between the time that they go and the time I go, but I just want to make sure that I'm there to see it. Yeah. You know, somebody was talking about tattoos, and they said that I, I've never heard of such a thing, but there's a, a tattoo that actually has somebody's cremated ashes inside the tattoo somehow. I don't, I don't know how that's possible, but it's like. I'd like to have my eyes on that when this day happens. See, this is the thing is, is that we fail to realize how powerful God really is. We, re- we, we fail to realize how powerful it is. And so when Jesus, when He healed the sick, notice that when He went in, He said, they just sleep. Because as far as he's concerned, the resurrection is going to bring this body right back up out of the grave. But it's going to be a different body. So when you think about it like this, it's like, Lord, whether you heal me now or you resurrect me later, it's all going to be fine. And I think, this is what I think. This is my opinion, okay? But I think that healing is an appetizer for the resurrection. I think he's just saying, hey, I'm healing you now. Because I know that you're human and finite and and for some reason you lose hope. But when you get healed, it's going to remind you that I'm powerful enough to do anything. 
And I call those things that are not as though they were. And that's what we find so amazing about Abraham because what he did with Isaac was this. He took Isaac to the altar and he knew that God was going to fulfill his promise through the son. Dead or alive, he's going to fulfill his promise through this son. And so he takes him up there, bewildered. Why, God, are you telling me? I'd imagine, why are you telling me to go put this promised son who was the seed that you said you would provide my seed through this and they'd be as innumerable as the stars? And he goes and lays him on the altar and he takes that knife right above him and he's getting ready to do it. And I think this is the thing that you catch in Scripture. It says that he hoped against hope. And he's, that he, was able, he believed that he was able also to raise the dead. You're going to fulfill your promise because you're God. No matter whether I have to put this knife into him or I, I, I escape that. You're going to fulfill your promise. You're going to keep it. And God made a promise that there will be a resurrection. No matter what your sorrows are here, there will be a resurrection. There will be a final day. And so the bridegroom comes and that's the initiation of the resurrection. It's the initiation of that taking place. Isn't that a day we're all looking for? Isn't that something that we don't get to hear preached too often, but we're like, I want to be there. I want to be a part of that. I'm looking forward to what it means and what it would be like to be alive. And in that moment, you're not dead. You're experiencing it while you're alive. And I don't know what happens. But I'm just surmising that what happens is you go from this corruptible body while you're going in the air, and all of a sudden, this body that's ready to decay and die is all of a sudden having an eternally mortal frame put to it at the same moment that you're going to meet him in the, in the air. And we say, well, this is when Christian doctrine begins to make me scratch my head. Well, you should have been scratching your head when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Scratch your head at everything that the Bible says at that point because it's like it's full of miracles. We're either in this all the way or we're not at all. So all I can say is that I hope that by the end of our time together that you have gotten encouragement to seek the Lord like you never have. And I want to say one other thing because if you feel the safety and the security and the joy and the bliss of that salvation, that's not just for the moment, but it's going to call you up out of the grave and resurrect you to be with the Lord. If you have that bliss and joy in your heart, then I know you know people. I know you know people who don't have that. And I don't want to go through the time it take right now to tell you what it looks like on the other side of this. But I think we get the idea. I think we get the idea. And if there's somebody in your heart, you're like, Lord, I love them. Jesus, they're not right with you. They're, they don't have Christ as the center. The gospel is nothing of reality to them. Then from this point, knowing, listen to me, knowing that you need to be ready, they need to be ready too. Now what do we need to do differently? I think one thing I can say is this, Lord, please ignite heaven with a prayer that ignites my heart for them for the lost like I have never had in my life before. Just ignite your... Let me see through the eternal eyes of God what I don't see in this flesh, what I don't see in this common, normal reality. Lord, help me see. And Jesus, thank You for the grace that goes just beyond my own salvation and puts me in the framework of caring for somebody else. And I love 
it's a, it's a quote that I heard a long time ago. I think it was from Spurgeon. But it said, if sinners must be lost, let not one, and, and go to hell, let not one go there unwarned or unprayed for. Listen to this. And let them have to leap over our bodies in order to get there. How many of us are, are an obstacle to the lost? Where they have to jump over you. They have to fight through you in order to make it into eternity without Christ. So let's think of the whole of the resurrection. Think of the whole of what it means for the bridegroom to come. Because time is up. And time is of essence at the moment. And again, I just want to encourage you as things get difficult, you're like, okay, sure. As things get difficult, look more forward to it. Man, this is like this flight's coming down. I'm looking more forward to what God's going to do. And pray from that vantage point. Lord, I, I think of it, I guess I want to say this, and I'll close with this. Unless I get to hear another amen, and then I'll keep on going. The three Hebrew men said to uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who said he would heat up the, the furnace seven times hotter. And I just think of the mentality of these guys. And they, they say, you know, it doesn't matter what you do with that furnace. If you can get it hotter than that, go ahead and do it. Because there isn't anything that's going to change our resolve here. You're not, you're not changing that. There's a commitment. And so that commitment is continually established through the union that we have with Christ during this time of tribulation. I'm not talking about this is the tribulation of the world, okay? Like, just make sure you don't get that mixed up. This is our tribulation, the difficulties we go through life, whatever they are, some in harder ways than others. But it, it says, Lord, I'm looking forward to that day. You know, we've got perhaps five or six other children that we've never seen in our life that we're going to get to see. You're like, what are you talking about? Because I remember early on in, in our marriage, as some of you know our testimony, my wife had been pregnant and miscarried early on, but we believe life begins at conception. I didn't get to see them yet. I didn't get to see them yet. I didn't get to see those other lovely daughters or sons that I'm going to get to see. You might have had a son or someone else that you're like, I lost early on. You're going to get to see them again. That's why you're looking forward to that day. I know, what, I know what I'm talking about. You're like, Lord, I'm waiting for this. Why are we so anxious? I re remember a brother told me, it was, a, you know, it was one of our teachers in Bible school. He said, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Well, in a way, I, I understand that, but I'm just, it makes sense of like, Lord, I want to be ready. Come now, Lord Jesus. What are we trying to hold on to down here? Because it's corrupting right in front of us. Amen. Well, I didn't get any more amen, so I think it's time to close. Oh, we're going to start. <laughs> it's for the second service, right? <laughs> oh, we've got a hand. Start, start all over again. Okay, so we'll start all over again. We'll wait for about 15 minutes, and then whoever's coming back is coming back. How about that? <laughs> you know, folks, we're probably not all that far from it. I'm not talking because this church is getting necessarily so large. It's because we're going to get really hungry. Going to get really hungry. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, I am feeling so blessed right now because it's so amazing the things that sometimes come out of my mouth. And I'm like, Lord, this is as good as for me as it is for those that are sitting there listening to it because I didn't have that one written down. But I know, Lord, it's so awesome. 
And so, Jesus, thank you for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because you really are speaking to us. And Lord, there's some of us that we got our ears stopped up and we just need to hear. We need to get something out of there so we can hear better. But Lord, I want to thank you for giving us a word to listen to, Lord, and thrive on. And Jesus, we want to say thank you that any condition, in every situation that we have, we have the hallmark of Jesus Christ in our life. We have the element of life, Lord. It doesn't matter the conditions because, Lord, we've got the promise. And so, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Encourage everybody in this place. Lord, ignite in them a solid love and faith for you like never before. And God, I thank you for the power of your word. Lord, as you speak that to our hearts, maybe next Sunday I'll be hearing another preacher up here. Lord, there's going to ask me to sit down because they want to share what's deep on their hearts. And God, I am so thankful that you minister to us in such a way that we want to give it out. We want to, we just want to pour it out. Lord, it's not hard, Lord, when we've got something of life to give it. And Jesus, I want to praise you, Lord, for those lives that are going to be ministered to by the, the saints of God, by the church of Jesus Christ this week. Lord, lives are going to minister to you. They're going to speak to you. Lord, because it, life comes from life. And Lord, I love your life because it isn't just new birth life. It's life that brings us up out of the dead. And so God, there's, there's so many in this community that need that in every individual in this house. And I want to thank you, Lord. And Jesus, if there's anybody in this place that has something, they just need to get right with you. Lord, before they leave, before you come back as they get out the door, I pray, Jesus, that they'll have that made right. And Lord Jesus, we want to be sensitive to every area of our life because we don't want little things. We don't want little things to destroy the whole of your purpose and plan. Mighty God, Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to give you guys an opportunity to worship the Lord and in that time to worship Him. Just be sensitive to the Lord in these last moments of our service together. Um, and take time with God because this is a serious, it's a sober message. But it's, it's what we need to think about. So just as if you were preparing yourself for communion and you're just, there's something I just want to, I just want you to take that time. So while we're singing, whether you come up front, whether it's in your seat or not, we invite you to take that time with God.